I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of 1,000 testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? Let's rock indeed. Welcome to 1,000 Wives of Weird, a podcast that celebrates weird movies. I am Brad Hefner, and once again missing is Billy Martell, unfortunately. But there is a roadmap for him being back on the show. In a couple weeks, he should be back, and I know he has a movie that he is very excited to talk about. But once again, I have a guest. I am so excited for this guest because... This man is the reason why I have this podcast currently. A longtime friend, great dude, writer for HorrorObsessive.com, Brendan Jesus. Hello. I am so happy to be here. Uh, it's We've wanted to have you on for so long. And honestly, most of it was just Billy. We use Billy's computer to record mm-hmm. the show regularly. So I'm like, hey, Billy, you need to figure out how to have internet guests on. And I was like, Okay, I did my part. Billy, reasonably, that wasn't top of his list. And we did almost have you on for an episode on uh, Pompon Depew's Deerskin. Uh, but technical issues thwarted us. But you're finally here. And, you know, I, I would have been more than happy to, you know, be on and talk about Deerskin. Um, in hindsight, I took three lines of notes when, we, <laughs> when I watched Deerskin because I just couldn't figure out what i wanted to say about that movie so uh, as bummed as i am that you know that didn't happen i'm kind of glad that you know this is that this movie is the the first one for my uh triumphant return yes this is a fantastic movie but before that i just want to say that brendan and i met through theater as i meet most of my friends i have one hobby too, if you count this show, we were both huge movie nerds. And one day he texted me and he's like, Hey, do you want to do a podcast? And I was like, yeah, I don't know how to do that, but sure. <laughs> and we knew we wanted to talk about movies. And I was like, there are so many podcasts with two white dudes, although you're half Filipino. So hey. <laughs> is that what <laughs> Filipino people say? <laughs> they say hot cha cha. Something uh, like that. Hachi machi. And so I was like, well, let's have a gimmick. And as I, I think I've said on this show before, weird movies are clearly a passion of mine. Anything that's outside the norm. I cut my teeth watching all the uh, Coppola's and Scorsese's. Give me something interesting. So we had a little run with that. We saw Mother together and we were like, this needs to be our first episode. And so it's it's wonderful to have this man back on the show. And it's wonderful to talk about this beautiful I, i'm going to spoil my recommendation right now i think it's a beautiful piece of art called we're all going to the world's fair we're all going to the world's fair it, it's one of those movies the less you know about it 100 the better it is about a young girl who becomes uh involved with this youtube arg called the world's fair it is the only other thing i'll tell you about it is something that i saw while i was doing some research while I was watching the movie is that is billed as a coming of age horror drama. Brendan, uh, how did you find this movie? I'll, I'll say now that I found this because you watched it. Uh, we're friends on letterbox because again, we're 
movie nerds. So I, I pay attention to what Brendan watches. He watches a lot of horror movies I've never even heard of. There's one about worms I'm very excited for. I saw in Oh, here. dude, fucking all jacked up and full of worms. I, I saw that for, um, I did coverage for a film festival called Popcorn Frights. Yeah. Um, there were some amazing, amazing films there. But we're all going to the World's Fair. How did you tell me your tell me your history with this? I've been I was seeing uh, film uh, horror critics on Twitter sharing the I would say the the fairly infamous poster for this movie where it's yes. um, Casey covered in the glow in the dark paint, holding up Poe's bead eye to to her eye, and I, I saw that cover and I was like, I'm going to love this movie, <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, there was a festival last year called the, Vi- the Berlin's Final Girl Film Festival, which only takes films that are written, directed, starring, or produced, or surrounding uh, something that's female-driven or, or not non-binary-driven. So it was um, the first festival of that kind of acclaim, I guess, that, that I had ever been a part of. So when I saw that We're All Going to the World's Fair was going to be at that festival, I, I was like, if this is the only movie I get to cover from this, <laughs> I'm okay. And I... Oh. Uh, sorry, I forgot to warn you about that. <laughs> I'll need to burp sometimes, so just... Hey, that's fine. Hey, if if, if there's any OG listeners, uh, you know that I always try to keep the burps in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll do it this episode just for you. Hey, I love it. Yeah, so I watched this movie... And the worst thing about watching a festival movie on its premiere is how long you have to fucking wait until you can watch it again. That oh, is yeah. just because, you know, the, the screener link you're given, you're only uh, you're limited to two views for the, the software that most of the people use for it. So when I saw that uh, Vinegar Syndrome was releasing a beautiful, beautiful Blu-ray copy of this movie, I I jumped on it immediately. So I I wrote my article on it, and then I just sat there and waited. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I I don't even know that we need to do recommendations, because it's obvious that we love this film and that you should go watch this film. It is, if I had to give one caveat, I would say that it is slow. I never found it personally slow because I'm I was just like Anna Cobb as Casey is so good that no matter what she's doing, I'm just like, oh, my God, this is the perfect performance. But people do find it slow. You've watched Stalker, right? Yes. Okay, so people should take notice when you say that you've you've you know, a slow movie. You've watched fucking Stalker. This movie, if I would say for the typical uh popcorn flick viewer this movie will piss you off you oh, absolutely be very upset absolutely yeah no that might be another good caveat mm-hmm. is like if you go in expecting um a normal horror movie like if you're like oh it's gonna be thrill a minute no that's not what this is this is something much more thoughtful and in a way much more effective on certain levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So this is a uh, 2021 movie directed by Jane Schoenbrunn. Uh, Schoenbrunn. Schoenbrunn. Thank you. Yes. I'm glad. Normally I try to look up pronunciations of people's names beforehand. I did not have time. Jane Schoenbrunn. Can I say, uh, Jane, if you happen to be listening to this, 
about three months ago, I saw you at a bar in, uh, I believe it was uh, Tribeca somewhere, and I was too nervous to come say hi. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Jane, if you are listening, uh, one, sorry for butchering your name, but two, <laughs> thank you for this wonderful movie. And I will also now point out that you are a non-binary trans person. They have said that it is a part of the film that otherwise Which, you know that, that's that's something that i honestly completely missed until my viewing last night and i i i think that that kind of because i was reading a hate review on yeah. on I, I think it was i think it was on imdb where it said oh here's more woke trans horror and i was like oh my god this is fucking trans horror <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it didn't really clock with me. So like I was sort of saying, there's a lot of not much happening in this movie. And it's a lot of watching Anna Cobb, who plays Casey. This is her debut performance. And what a performance. Oh my God, this kid is like... <laughs> every, every time... The movie is mostly here on screen, but like every five seconds I turn into like some... 1930s talent scout being like, oh my god, this kid's got the goods! <laughs> and it's, it, like, I understand, like, that slow thing is not for everybody. And a lot of times it's not for me. This just, she is so magnetic. Mm -hmm. I, I just honed in on it right there. Well, I and mean, the, the, the film starts with a very long wonder of her uh, sitting in front of her webcam she barely speaks through that opening wonder until she gets to to the to the world's fair in in, challenge. in in challenge introduction whatever um the moments where she's not saying anything that it it immediately drew me in you can tell from the beginning that there's something going on inside of her mentally that she's trying yes. to cope with and i <clears throat> i have a theory on what that is in 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 the film not not what it stands for but yeah just those moments of her in silence is just it's so transfixing it is it is and it's casey is as we're going to learn is such an isolated figure that it's amazing that this actress can also give such a small feeling person so much presence that again, it's transfixing and it might sound ridiculous, but that kind of acting is hard where you're not, mm -hmm. where you literally are just like, okay, putter about the room. You're about to record a YouTube video and you're nervous about it. Just, just sort of putter because I don't know that, that sort of vague anxiousness where you're just being is kind of hard to conjure up. You know, I, one of the things that they didn't talk about, so I watched uh, Jane did an hour and a half interview for one festival and then uh, on the, the Blu-ray. And there's two 30-minute interv interviews, one from Chattanooga Film Festival, one from Fantasia. And they didn't really talk about, um, unless I completely missed it, you know, like the, the process and in the script for, for all of this. So I would be interesting to read the script, like seeing how... I feel like Jane is a very precise writer director. So I'm kind of curious if the script is written out beat by beat or where it's like it's all, if it's all Anna, Anna Cobb, or if it's a mixture of 
Anna just taking what the very precise character beats that Jane wrote and just like fucking nailing it. Remember, Jane is also directing. It could be a thing that comes out in directing as well. Mm -hmm. But no, that would be fascinating if it's because it's literally like Casey goes and stands near her bed. Casey sits down the bed. Is it like I, I would absolutely love to know that. So Casey grabs her childhood stuffed animal, which I think is a lemur. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we could call it a lemur. Sure. Like, I, I'll see you in arbitration. And she sits back down at the computer before this. And, and she, she had sort of like practiced her intro for her YouTube video. And she begins to record <clears throat> much like she's being directed by Mark Regan of after last season. Even after she begins to record, even though she practiced, there's a long pause before she goes, Hi guys, I'm Casey. She welcomes people to her channel, tells viewers she's going to be taking the World's Fair Challenge, and so is Poe, the lemur. And I love this such wonderful childhood. Like, I'm going to be doing the creepypasta challenge, but here's my, <laughs> here's my stuffy. I really like the incorporation of that with her character because pretty much if you know if she's going to her from school you know she doesn't have it but beside outside of school she always carries that around with her um and when we get to the scene in the barn um there's something that i i want to bring up about the the lemur absolutely also i'm sorry i glossed over it i meant to go back to it but i forgot to you said you had a theory about the beginning with Casey, uh, did you want to bring up that up now or later? No, my uh, so I, I I can bring it up now. My it's my theory about why she's having mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Do you think that her mother died? I'm not. Uh, Casey is obviously the child of a single parent, a father who we never see. We hear once. And otherwise, he's just sort of this vague aura that surrounds the movie without being actually present in the movie. And she always tries to avoid him at any cost. Yes. But the mother is never talked about or even alluded to. That That is something I was wondering about today because I don't know. What do you think? Like, I, 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 I could go either way. Um, well, the, the only reason I could... Because I, when we, when uh, the scene in the cemetery, I, I tried to pause it every for every gravestone to see if there was anything that had her mom's name on it. Um, if there is, I couldn't find it. Her dad is obviously very abusive, or he's uh, a very mean alcoholic, one of the two, or a mixture of both. And I, I have a feeling that her mother not being around to, um, oh god, I almost just said to to dampen his blow. Um, oh no. <laughs> Uh, to to uh, metaphorically, figuratively dampen the blow. I think that her mother not being around is something that's causing her this uh, extreme uh, mental distress. Yes, I think one way or another, whether she died or left, I think it is a part of it. It's definitely adding to her isolation. Her dad is shitty. Her dad is absolutely shitty. I don't know that there's evidence of physical abuse. Aside from her aversion to him, like we're, there's going to be a scene later where he pulls into the, the driveway and she scampers upstairs. But also sometimes, especially with various mental illnesses, like you're just like, I can't, 
I'm going to be, I'm going to exit when someone else enters. Like Casey says, she doesn't know what to expect. She gets started clearly nervous. She says, I want to go to the world's fair three times next. And this is the perfect bit of production design. She holds up a pin with a lenticular hologram that goes back and forth between a skull and the earth. And that is exactly the type of thing that a kid like Casey would have. Oh yeah. Casey's like, Oh, it's a hologram. There's a skull. This is spoopy. I love it. I I, I would want one just, just kind of to like, you know, ironically have out there, you know, <laughs> I'd have a, that's a dope ass pin. I get it on ironically. Um, they, they should have done that for like the, the merch or something. That would be great. If this were an A24 film, it'd be oh, yeah. $60 on the site by now. Yep. And she uses the pin to, oh, I hated this part. She repeatedly jabs her index finger and it looked for whatever reason, both times I watched it, I was like, oh my God, it's going under the nail. It's going under the nail. It's not, but it still is gross. And she does it like 10 times. She does it a lot. What I assumed is like she was didn't have the courage to like do it actually, so she just sort of like dry punched it a bunch, mm, yeah. and then finally she struck oil, as we say in the <laughs> finger pricking game. In the finger pricking game, love it. Then she smears the blood on her monitor. Any good ritual is going to involve some blood, and then she watches the World's Fair Challenge video, which is we don't see it at all. We'll see it later, but we yep. don't see it right now. We just see light strobing against her face. And it goes on for quite a while. It It's not very uh, sensory heavy the first time we see it. But when we see it at the end, like that, the the low res kind of color bouncing off her face and everything is so mm. fucking disorienting. It is like, and it's, I, I, I don't mean to get us to the end right now. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I meant to ask, how old do you yeah. think Casey is? Uh, 15. Okay. Is that definitive? Like, did, uh, I, well, did so we say least, that we at least know that she's under 18. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure in one of the interviews, Jane, refers to Casey as a 15-year-old girl. Okay, I I clocked her as much younger. I don't think it makes a ton of difference to me either way. I just she looks very young. I I'm bad with ages and especially the ages of children because why would I care? So here's my question. Oh, Casey ends her video saying she will update if she notices any changes. So my question for you is when you first saw this, did you ever think like, oh, this challenge is real and this is where the movie's going? It's going to be about how she gets affected. I I, I did think that it was going to be real. If you haven't seen the movie, spoilers. <laughs> well, this is the spoiler <laughs> section, but I I did think that it was that it was a real thing. I I did think I was actually kind of thrown for a loop. After she talked to JLB for the first time, I was kind of thinking, you know, something is actually a little off with this. Yeah, I ping pong back and forth. Uh, a big, like I said, flag for me earlier was like, because after seeing this, it was like, was well, this based on a real internet challenge? Because we're going to see YouTube videos later. And when I saw coming of age, I was like, oh, I see where you're coming from. But no, I, yeah, when JLB first contacts her, I definitely 
was like, uh, but maybe. And I think as we talked about your uh, more workmanlike horror fans who like the jump scares and such, mm-hmm. the, that's what's going to frustrate them about the films because they're going to be like, oh, yeah, it's going to be like uh, uh, Unfriended or whatever internet horror thing. Wait. And then. <laughs> Where's the nuns in it? There's no ghost nuns in this. I paid thirteen fifty, and I watched Nicole Kidman tell me that heartbreak feels good in a place like this. And there ain't even no ghost nuns. We get a wonderful title screen. It looks like it was sort of stylishly scrawled, scrawled on to the cell. And uh, a great song. Alex G is yeah. the man who did the music for the film. And it has this early 90s sort of alt vibe to it, a little bit of grunge. And we get images of suburban desolation. And this is where Casey lives, a sort of suburban rural. You know, when when you were watching this, uh, I, I had known that it was filmed in uh, upstate New York or, or Long Island, one of the two. Um, but doesn't this kind of look like central Pennsylvania in like the middle of winter? Yeah, absolutely. That's why I was like, I when I saw it, I was like, "That's probably why this montage credit sequence hits a little bit harder." Mm-hmm. Is like, "Oh yeah, I've seen that pile of wood." No, it definitely does. It definitely does, and I feel like that could go for a lot of the East Coast. Yeah, and we see Casey walking home. Next, we're shown a bunch of YouTube clips related to the World's Fair challenge, and like I said, I ping pong back and forth. And the first time I was watching it, immediately I was like. Oh, this is an ARG. This is Slenderman. This is General Creepypasta. This is stuff like that. It's all spooky modulated voices and clowns. And I don't know your history with this sort of internet community. Do you, do, were you ever like a Creepypasta kid? Were you ever like, I'm going to get into the online ARG? They were, ARGs are sort of like a recent boom, I feel. At least like this kind. You know, I do think that since a lot of people had a lot of time on their hands the past two years, I think that ARGs have kind of become a lot more popular. So in in my, you know, when I I write a, a review for a movie, I try and keep my opening introduction paragraph you know just a few sentences you know throw in a couple a a couple yucks here and there you know in relation to the movie but my article for my review for this movie i think i had four paragraphs of me just talking about how much i love args um oh yeah i i i I stumbled upon alan tutorials alan tutorial is fantastic yeah yeah um that was maybe five or six years ago and that was my introduction to to ARGs um you know local 58 I I love that um there there's the one about the town where the sun just disappeared I saw a bit about that I always sort of look down on people who don't like just play a video game and like watch other people play it Mm -hmm. I'm that way with ARGs where I'll, I'll watch like videos of people explaining what happens instead of following along every step of the way. But I did see one of those people cover the sun being gone. That looked awesome. I I love how ARGs could be a YouTube video. It could be a series of Reddit posts 
Or it could be something where someone is given a 10,000 page script and they memorize the whole thing (laughs) and they just, they fuck with you little by little every single day. So I love ARGs. I I think that some really cool things can be done with them. Absolutely. I agree. I approach the, uh, where I came from this movie was because it is specifically a horror ARG. I, for a brief period of time, I was active on the creepypasta wiki, like editing and stuff. And sort of like, I'm going to hone my, I'm going to hone my blade on these children's stories. (laughs) Um, Slender man has a (laughs) two inch penis. Yep. The very first story I ever wrote. That was the entire thing. And I became creepypasta king. I was involved with this community, not like the much different deviant art community or stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But I saw a lot of this on the peripheral and obviously because it's internet spooky stories, a lot of the participants were very young people and there was a chat room and this sort of thing attracts lonely kids, kids who are neurodivergent in some way. And the, like the sort of darkness, the horror aspect of it, of anything sort of adds that edge where it's like, there's an even bigger barrier of isolation where it's like, because I like the spooky thing, I'm not like the other kids. So this struck home incredibly well where it's like, and Casey's going to talk about it here in a bit. She loves horror stuff. Um, so actually that, that, that story that you just told kind of, is how this movie was conceived. Yes. So Jane was talking about how she was obsessed with Scream. They, they sorry. There Jesus. they. Yeah. Um I, I had it I had it written down and so uh they were talking about how uh, they were obsessed with Scream and in two thousand and one they were on message boards basically writing Scream fanfic. And they were I think thirteen at the time. And there was this like 40 year old lonely dude who started messaging Jane in the comment sections of the fanfics they were writing. And they said after a while, they realized that this is wrong. And so, so they, they blocked them and stuff, but that's kind of where the idea of this whole movie came from. That's fascinating. And I'm sure that happened a million times to a bunch of different people because while horror does attract edgy teens and lonely kids it also attracts old dudes with movie podcasts and no there's a bunch of creeps out there remember it's okay to be a pervert it's not okay to be a creep what's the difference um respect boundaries yeah it's okay to be per like enjoy pervy things just don't project that on people who don't want it or you shouldn't be projecting it on yeah. Correct. So later we see Casey, as we talked about before, she's in the kitchen. When headlights hit the window, she removes her plate and goes up to her room. And this is what we call economy of storytelling and economy of character. We learn so much through this moment, whether it mm-hmm. is alluding to abuse, whether it is alluding to I'm 15 and I don't want to talk to my dad who is working two jobs and is grumpy and I'm weird and don't have any friends. (laughs) So she watches more world's fair videos. And one is about a guy playing Tetris inside his body. Uh, 
I, I love like the imagery that you can come up in your mind with for that. Yeah. It's wonderful because one, the dude is selling it. Mm-hmm. Like this man is feeling his body Tetris, but it's not just that it's that like, it's so ridiculous that you're like, okay, this is ridiculous. But as a kid, you're like, Oh my God. Like I can see. It's not about how we perceive the videos. It's about how Casey perceives the videos. And it's like, as this naive, isolated teenager. And this is the perfect thing where it's like, how don't you get it, kid? But at the same time, the idea is so potent. Like you said, it fills your mind. You get these images that it can be very effective. Casey searches for World's Fair common symptoms because rightfully, because there don't doesn't seem to be any laws for the World's Fair challenge canon. She's confused, not skeptical. She's not skeptical she's just like i don't understand this because this is definitely real and it's too complex for me uh we get a great scroll through a lot of possible videos for some reason casey chooses the one of the videos (laughs) with the lowest view counts (laughs) called i can't feel my body that it shows a very fit man running on a treadmill slapping himself and for my thick brain this is one of the first gender dysmorphia, body dysmorphia things that sort of lit up for me. Mm -hmm. Because after this, we're going to get the I'm turning to plastic video. And I guess this is also just how some people watch things, but Casey zones out watching Hunky Man on the treadmill. So I'm also like, is this sort of a burgeoning sexual interest thing? Like, And then the next video is titled I'm turning into plastic and features a heavily filtered pretty lady uh, smiling, making poses with her face. We see her in a bra and underwear. Casey wears baggy clothes. We get this idea that she's she's just wearing what's comfortable. She doesn't. Yeah. She she's not trying to she's not trying to appease anybody except herself. No. And even when she makes her videos, uh, she's not like I'm going to get dressed up. So back to back, she's shown two very highly idealized versions of the human form, neither of which are probably like resonant with her. Yeah. So we get the so we're getting this sort of gender body dysmorphia stuff where it's like this doesn't feel this doesn't look how I feel and look. Then we get dad's only part. It's three a.m. Shut the fuck up. It's three o'clock in the fucking morning. <laughs> Pounds at her door, and that's the only interaction. She says sorry again. Casey's dad sucks. Yeah, he has no clue what his daughter is doing, but we will learn that he works two jobs, and it is three o'clock in the fucking morning. Yeah, and and she's listening to a woman turn into plastic at full volume. Yes, and headphones exist. Not to take dad's side, but it's just like, have a little respect for for pops. Casey goes out into the woods with a camera and tripod. She updates her viewers. Uh, and here's where we get, we learn about her love of horror movies. And since she loved them so much, why not try to live in one? A lot of the cinematography for this is really handheld. If it's not from her webcam, uh, there's uh, there's you know a handheld following aspect to it. But I really like how this shot in particular 
And I, after seeing this shot, I meant to kind of track how much they used sh- uh, handheld versus locked shot. Um, but I, I forgot to. But I, I just, it's a, it's a far shot. There's the two hammocks, you know, in the trees. She sets her mm-hmm. camera up, and it's just this really far shot, which I, I think is absolutely beautiful. My only gripe with this scene is it feels a little overwritten because the way she speaks isn't necessarily how a 15 year old girl would speak. Do you. Know this from experience? Have you been hanging out with a lot of fifteen-year-old girls? No, I'm just saying. Like, uh, uh, I I don't think a fifteen-year-old girl would use the word use use that like specific type of syntax the way that that she is because there's just like her cadence in. Maybe I'm very off base with this, but it it just feels how you feel, man. Yeah, it, it just feels that's the rewatching it. That was the only scene where I was like, OK, that's the only part. There's very little dialogue um, in this whole movie. And I one of my gripes is with one of the few lines of dialogue. I, I didn't have a problem with it. Again, I think Anna Cobb is just I it felt she is definitely performing. Mm-hmm. The character Casey is performing for her YouTube audience. So I think she's like trying to oversell it and sort of like be not the natural way we watch her act a lot of the rest of the time. Like she's like, okay, I made one video. Now it's time for me to fucking build my following. This, uh, it's a throwaway line, but it reflects how unhappy Casey is where she's like, well, I could continue living my normal life or I could do this challenge, which I believe might kill me or, turn me into a monster or something. So I guess that's a better alternative. But she talks about how she used to sleepwalk a lot and she'd tell herself scary stories in her head and she'd have crazy dreams. And it was just like paranormal activity. Oh, one of my favorite Anna Cobb line readings is (laughs) I'm not even lying. That that's one of the lines that, that really, that to me felt the, the delivery is fantastic. She cannot, she has no bad delivery, but it's just like lines like that just made it feel a little bit off. That's why I love it because it's so unnatural. And she's like, she, she's presupposing a negative reaction, which she would do in her normal life, I assume because mm-hmm. of at least the emotional abuse from her father. So it's like, Again, she's performing for her audience. She's like trying to, okay, I'm not, I'm not me. I'm Casey World's Fair, and I love it because it it just sounds like someone so not assured of themselves, just trying to like make you believe she would be aware of her actions when she was sleepwalking, mm-hmm. but couldn't control herself. Like she. <laughs> like she was watching herself on TV from across the room. And she's been feeling that way again after watching the video. And here's what's another very effective element of this movie is that this challenge, which Casey believes is real is going to give her an excuse to express and feel a lot of different things. 
it, it's it's a very uh, very cathartic time. It's it's a very I think important time in her life to help her. Uh, you know, w- once we know what happens uh, by the end of the film, it, it, it's a very cathartic moment to uh, show that she's going to finally, in her own way, address what's going on to her. And, yeah. and she's using the World's Fair as, we'll find out that she's using it as the conduit to explore these feelings. The freedom of this idea that you are losing, the ability to control yourself so whatever you do is not your fault. Mm-hmm. And it, it's wonderful. Sometime later, she sets up her computer to record herself while she sleeps, immediately becomes frustrated, muttering about who wants to watch a dumb video. She puts on a coat and boots, grabs Poe, shuts off the computer, goes out to a weird garage type structure that seems like a workshop slash lounge. Did, did you notice what she muttered as she was walking out to the barn? No. Um, a few different times under her breath, she just goes 32 views, which wow. I which I did not catch that my first time. But since I was able to have um, I, I had the, the disc has subtitles, so I, I had them on and I, I was I, I can't decide if. Because what happens immediately when she gets into the barn is she pulls out her dad's AR-15. Yeah. Um, so it kind of feels like the the thirty two her saying thirty two views and then immediately pulling a gun out. Uh, it kind of makes it feel like this story is going to take a whole different direction than it does. Wow, that just added a whole huge new wrinkle. Because <laughs> sorry, Amber, Amber alert. alert. Yep. A- Goddamn missing children just... Uh, we're trying to record a podcast about a movie. Oh, what does um, Amber have to say now? Oh, Lord. Either way, this idea that she's frustrated, like, oh, no, I took this challenge where I might become an evil clown, and I only got 32 views for it. It's not just about... There's an aspect of it where it's like, I want the attention, I want to be noticed, like... This is how I can connect with people. It's frustrating in its own right in a very... It just adds to her sadness and isolation. Well, and it, it's interesting how this film very much breaks the idea of what a horror film is supposed to be. Because mm-hmm. there's really only kind of, I think, two acts in this movie. It, it rises and then it falls. And I it, think we... Both agree we're about to get to the act of break. So it's just when she pulls out the gun, every time you've seen a gun in a movie, you know, we all we all know that whole uh, Chekhov's gun. You see you see a gun in the first act it has to go off by the third. So it's interesting how Jane decided to introduce a gun fairly early into the film and then just let that idea go go by the wayside this is a unique and complex horror story where the horror you're originally being like oh my god i'm gonna get this internet horror thing with the world's fair challenge and then we're about to get a much more realistic horror that's going to like that's going to make us tense and uncomfortable and be like what is what is this then there's this third layer of again of the self-harm or the harming of others because we still, I think culturally on some level, think that it's the horror obsessives who go out there and 
murder people. It's the yeah. indoor kids. It's whatever. So as we mentioned, she goes into this garage type place and immediately takes out her dad's gun. You said it was an AR-15. I don't know guns. It's a big gun. It's a long. It's a long gun. It, it's the gun that's most commonly used in the um, school shootings that happen weekly in America. Gotcha. Which, which, um, which is why, which is why, when I saw it, I was like, I was kind of really taken aback because that's that's that gun in most places is easier to get than a handgun. Yeah, I believe handguns require permits. Yeah, in, but I'm not a gun lawyer. In Texas, you have to be from Texas to buy a handgun. In Texas, you don't have to be from Texas to get an AR-15. Life is a nightmare. Yeah, I, I could see if you were gonna you, in your head, you were like, "Am I gonna? Am I gonna take this political?" But no, it's 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 fine. It's uh, I don't care. Like no one listens to the show for one, and anyone who does probably knows me personally and knows yeah. that I'm a big old lazy leftist. Oh. <laughs> well, I do believe that the working class should be armed, although it's becoming less and less relevant given the government's technological prowess with warfare. Yeah. <clears throat> so she, Casey sets, settles in to watch videos on a big projector screen. Here's where we get the first <laughs> mommy thing, like maybe the only real mommy thing. But she watches an ASMR video where the talker encourages sleep. It's very, it's very maternal. It's very babyish. Like, oh, she's she's stroking the camera lens. What are your What are your thoughts on a- ASMR? It makes me cringe so hard. I have not experienced it much. I don't think I get that weird chill thing that people yeah. talk about. So otherwise, so it's mostly just people talking quiet to me. And when I want that to take a nap too, I just put on people reading spooky stories, creepypasta, shit like yeah. that. Yeah. I used to, I used to fall asleep to like movies. And then I was like, I don't know what the shift was. I was just, I want to hear talking, not assholes being killed in this shitty horror movie I put on. Uh, when I, I put on a uh, British people playing Minecraft to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, there's a creeper. That's a sticky wicket. And this video, again, here's where the movie for some people would be would seem glacial. Because this ASMR video goes on for quite a while. <laughs> again, as Brendan would compare to Tarkovsky, Tarkovsky's ASMR videos were just like, <laughs> memory, time, nature. But it does really well. Its purpose is to lull us in, like it's literally almost ASMRing us. Where it's yeah. like, yeah, everything's cool, everything's chill, baby. Just go to sleep, rest your fat little eyes. And but the next video she watches is a direct message to Casey from JLB, the mysterious JLB. And this video has eight views. So now, as we talked about earlier, this is where I was like, oh shit, maybe things are getting real. Uh, because the video shows a distorted photo of Casey taken from one of her videos. Spooky sound effects, the words, you are in trouble, I need to talk to you. And Casey rises to the couch and goes to the screen. Like you, I was like, okay, maybe this is more traditional horror. But this combined with her muttering about 32 views, where it's not only, either way, she is a lonely person, Mm -hmm. and someone is reaching out to her and playing the same 
game she's playing and it's affirming her belief that something is actually happening. It's all about attention and like, I just, somebody, somebody is there and noticing me. Well, and you know, it it's, I, I think one of the things that this film does really well that a lot of films regarding technology and internet culture don't do well is this shows that you can find your people online Mm -hmm. you if you can she has 32 views on her video and one of the now granted the person was probably googling we're all going to the world's fair or world's fair but it, it just shows how even if you put your true self out there you can find very easily the people that are going to be there you're either going to find someone that's going to try and harm you or you can find the person that you know directly aligns with your interests so i i think that that this film handles uh the idea of like content creation and life on the internet just uh yeah better than the majority of films do most internet horror stories seem to be about people with friends Mm -hmm. when the most resonant internet stories about or about people without friends who are connecting with the broader audience, Mm -hmm. because that is, you're right. That's the great thing. And the terrible thing about the internet is no matter what you're saying, you will find someone who is saying the same thing. It could be about your seahorse kink, or it could be about how, um, Donald Trump. The January 6th election was stolen. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So yeah, it's a double-edged sword. But, and again, that's what's so potent about this movie is it's like, she's, she's trying to find her people. And the only one who bites is JLB. So one thing I I haven't been able to figure out, did he create this? The world's fair thing? Yeah. I don't think so. I, I don't think we're given any information that leads us to believe it. He's just a super fan. But if you'll notice, his videos are not that popular either. So I think he's, well, we'll talk about JLB in a bit. I don't think so. I think it was just some larger internet thing. uh, And these two people just gravitated towards it. Casey checks out JLB's channel. It's dedicated to World's Fair stuff like stories, drawings, fan theories. He likes collabing with other players. But this is an in-game channel. So expect things to get scary, which sounds like a youth pastor about to put in Hocus Pocus. I'm going to show you what happens when you dance with the devil. You get to meet, you get, you get to meet Bette Midler and it's amazing. Oh oh man. (laughs) I've had a total of one erotic dream about Bette Midler. I have probably at least had one too. So JLB, uh, again, like Casey is skipping over some very, very important information while absorbing what JLB is and what he's doing with this channel. So JLB is the only other actor we see in this film, aside from the YouTube personalities. He is played by Michael Rogers, who is the dude from Beyond the Black Rainbow. Oh, the Cosmos uh, Panatos? Yeah, and he is... Anna Cobb is... Runaway, the star of this film. Michael Rogers does an amazing job, too. Wow, he was also in Super... I actually didn't even look at his IMDb. He was in Supernatural. Good for, good for him. He Yeah. He's he's a, a fairly solid actor. 
I he, I thought he was great in this. His acting is less about appearing natural and more about more about conveying complex emotions for a very complex and ambiguous character. Like his bedroom is a child's bedroom. It is. It is. And I, I think that's like. Does he live with his? parents it seems like he lives with his mother no no th- there's nothing wrong with that but it's just like his room is so overtly childish he, he yeah. drinks warm milk you know you know how some people will say like like hey that kid is an old soul well i think that adult man is a young soul <laughs> he's got a baby soul he's got a <laughs> and actually you know what that's interesting that you bring that up because Oddly, they're both like such lost children that like no, uh, it's again, it's very, it's such a complex and ambiguous character where I have strong feelings about what he probably is, but at the same time, he there's such he's so fucking sad. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's really so sad. sad and just lonely, and it doesn't excuse anything. Casey calls JLB through Skype and we see JLB's uh, jail. We don't see his face over Skype. He has a sort of like pencil sketch of a spooky face, but he sounds much older. And here's where the second wave of horror comes in where it's like, Oh my God, this isn't a movie about supernatural horror. This is as I told, as I said to you, this is like, if Megan is missing, we're good. Yeah. Because now it becomes like, oh no, she's a young girl and she's talking to an older man on the internet and he is uncomfortable. <laughs> to say the least. And also Casey is showing herself. JLB is nervous. He's breathing heavy. All... Like, like like a first date. <laughs> the, oh, best fir- the best first date is the one where you don't have to pay. Yes. The best first date is the one where she can't see your face. <laughs> JLB touts some lore. Like he spouts off some stuff, uh, strange loop theory, maybe that's going to come up later, but uh, he's playing the game. He's playing the game because that's his excuse for talking to this teenage girl. And Casey doesn't cotton on. Casey asks why JLB is talking to her. And JLB says he wants to help her but he needs to know if she's telling the truth. Another great detail. Uh, one, Casey says she's not good at talking to people, which is perfect, obvious, but that is the sort of thing that young people who are not good at talking to people and have no confidence say to people. That's that's what I still say to people. <laughs> I just walk away. I'm just, <laughs> I, I grunt, I walk away. I climb the church tower and I ring a bell and that's all people need to know about me. Oh, is, is it 12 o'clock? No, someone tried to talk to Brad again. <laughs> I just fuck up the time. I'm just like, no, no talk. Bell keep. <laughs> she says that most of the people that take the challenge have changes that are big. They become a vampire or an evil clown and again, this is also telling us, even though we got the spooky mes- message from JLB, where it's like, this might be real, we're walking it back again. 
obviously this is not real. People are not turning into evil clowns. But she doesn't feel that way. For her, it makes her feel like she's leaving her body, like it's making her something else, something bad. But she can't talk to her dad about it. And here, once more, we get the uh, trans allegory, the gender dysmorphia, the body dysmorphia, where it's like the internalized like sort of transphobia that people... I've heard people get uh, where it's like, this is a bad thing that's happening that I feel different. Yeah. There's no one I can talk to. My dad will think I'm fucking crazy or weird or not want to deal with it because he's a fucking Bruce Springsteen song and he's working 12 hours at two jobs and my daughter's on the internet turning something other than cishet. Oh, oh. I know I wouldn't like Bruce if he made that song. That's, that's, I don't, unless it, unless the rest of the lyrics are supportive of his, uh, daughter or whatever she may identify as next. JLB asked her, asked Casey to keep making videos so he'll know she's okay, which is what someone in game would say and also what a creep would say so we can keep watching this teenage girl. And I, I just find this masterful. Mm-hmm. This whole sequence, the levels at play, the acting. Again, we're getting more and more concerned for Casey, where it's like, you should not be talking to this man, dear. Casey is going through puberty. There's possible mental illness at play, isolation, feeling unloved. It's such a perfect stew for trouble. that, And especially if you have experience with these communities or you have ever felt this way, and have been on the internet, this is like, I can do some real dumb shit. Um, One of the questions that I had that I was curious about uh, for you is, do you think that they show him too early? Or do you think that they even needed to show him at all? I think they do need to show him for things that come later. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know that they need to show him this early, but at the same time, when they do show him, we see a much older man, and this mm-hmm. is where we see his bedroom, which, as you said, is a child's bedroom. It has a bunch of like trophies, uh, stuff like that. Again, I think this is what plays into the ambiguity of the character, where it's like, okay, this is a much older man talking to this 15-year-old girl and trying to develop some sort of relationship, whether friendship, in-game nefarious whatever but by showing us his bedroom we get this dimension of loneliness and sadness and arrested development where it's like could this be nothing more than the a lonely man playing a game wanting to help somebody it's not out of the realm of possible i think he's a huge fucking creep yeah Ultimately, I think he's a huge fucking creep. But at the same time, there is enough there where I'm like, well, he's just sad. He's just a sad man. And I feel a little bad. Maybe another wrinkle to the sadness of JLB is whether he is a creep or other. He is equally as obsessed with the World's Fair and its lore and all that stuff. Because much like Casey... He is curled up watching some videos 
And it's that juxtaposition is so discomforting when you think about it from his point of view, where it's like, I bet she's watching videos too. <laughs> but it, it's also it boils down to my my stance, which is going to be the uh, foundation for my presidential run. That is inappropriate for men in their. I'm going to be nice to GLB and say early 40s. Inappropriate for a man in his early 40s to be internet friends with a 15-year-old girl. I think you might win just on that alone. Lord knows someone needs to speak reason. Well, I mean, also your other platform is that the election was stolen as well. So, Oh, yeah. No, yeah. And everyone's going to get a med bed. And um, Trump will be king for all time. Yes. Because we didn't fight a war about that. So in one of the videos he watches, it's a continuation of Tetris Body Man, and he's talking about uh, how he won this Stitch doll from Lilo and Stitch at a carnival, and we get a pretty awesome effect for a movie that is not about horror effects, probably because it's an independent YouTube thing where they, I assume, solicited creations. But we watch a dude pull a string of carnival tickets out of his arm. Ooh. It's so good. It's so good. Like I watch a I watch a lot of cheese gore where it's like I can tell how this is happening. I love that it's happening, but I can tell that it's just a man in a hole. And this I was like, that's a long string of tickets. That's impressive. It you know, I one of the festival films I just finished watching was called um, Everyone Will Burn. It's a Spanish religious horror film. Um, and it, it hinges around the many amazing practicals that it has. It's uh, There's a, a fire stunt where someone's lit on fire for at least 15 seconds and he's just standing there. Um, and, you know, so that that I think is one of my favorite practical effects of the year, but there's just, when I was watching this last night, I replayed that ticket scene at least three times. And, you know, on, on a DVD, on a big, or on a Blu-ray, on a big screen, you. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. We, you need your clout. It's not 4k, but I guess it's okay. <laughs> um, so you, you can see a little bit of the, like the rubber and shit there, but like, it doesn't take away from just how, brutal and disgusting looking and just how like stomach churning him like flicking the fungus that's on his arm and then picking it open yeah he's starting to grow blue hair i think it was supposed to be oh like, yeah, yeah oh oh okay okay yep i get it i i yeah that, that makes more sense than fungus um but yeah in, like the the tickets are wet and they're slimy they're not covered in blood, just some mystery goo. Mm, uh, my favorite. My favorite. It, uh, it's, Brian Usna. They called up Brian Usna. It was like, hey, Usna, we need some goo. <laughs> like, well, I'll give you I'll give you the mystery flavor. <laughs> For a movie, like you said, that does not hinge around body horror of, of this extent. Like it, uh effect horror. Like uh, effect horror, yes. Yeah. Um it's it's so out of place, but in a good way it it it, it take it it makes you step back and kind of reassess what that that you don't know what direction this film is taking no it, well it also i think is very reflective of the looseness of the world world's fair like lore yeah where it's like 
yeah, uh, some people turn to plastic, some people turn to stitch and pull tickets out and super gross, but other people are just making videos of them on a treadmill. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's the disparity of everyone being able to be a creator. It's, it's great on a lot of levels. It, it's, and here we get some more YouTube. This is like, it's stuff like this where I was actually like, okay, is this a real challenge? But no, they, they reached out to people to make videos. Mm-hmm. We get a hilarious, it's not a one-for-one parody of Marble Hornets, but it's that sort of serialized, high-production, creepypasta ARG series where it's like, it looks so much better and more glossy. It looks looks produced. It looks super produced. It's not homemade. It's clearly a narrative film about the World's Fair Challenge. We see a... I don't watch a lot of YouTube. I'm not, I wasn't part of the YouTube generation where this was where like where the voices rose for me. I did recognize one YouTuber, Nick Spheres. She's the one with the wings. Oh, just okay. sort of posing. I've liked a few of her videos. There is also the um, video of the 1994 typing game. We're all going to, uh, uh, we're going yes. to that was a wonderful detail. That was a wonderful, and again, something that resonated very much with my creepy pasta experience. Where it's like, yeah, no, this is the shit that this would generate. Where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is not even. It's it's something so easily programmable by someone who just like wanted to make something and dash it off. Like, yeah, it's perfect. Um, but as you mentioned before, JLB warms up some milk like a creep. I, I wrote his villain milk. <laughs> his uh, his uh, get out his get out special. These days, people drinking milk is shorthand for villainy. Oh, we got what's her name and get out. Um, Homelander, Hans Landa. Hans Landa, Homelander, and the boys. What a backlash! Do you drink milk in my coffee? Okay, I mostly learned to stay away from it because I'm lactose intolerant. And it's, oh, yeah. it's not a good thing, but I do love that thick mucus that is milk. That's just like, oh, let me pull this out of an animal. Yeah. No, I'm going to drink it. Feels like something that you do out of spite just because someone told you not to. Don't worry. We cooked everything out of it that can kill you. Uh, thanks, Louis Pasteur, but I'm trying to get got. <laughs> JLB's drinking his milk in a big, lavish living room. He draws a pretty impressive sketch of a distorted face. And it's not really, can't really tell if it's Casey. But the next scene we see, he's making another video of her. I, you know, I actually thought it was uh, him making a, like an amalgamation of his face and her face together. Really? I, that that could be a reach, but that, I mean, that's how that's how I chose. I'm not to saying that wasn't my tone. Whereas, like, I was like, that doesn't sound right. I was more like, I hope that's not right because that's the creepiest shit I ever heard. <laughs> Speaking of the creepiest shit, oh I, yes, yes, I've ever heard. He's making another video f- for her, and we see him watching one of her, another one of yeah. her videos. Oh, I hate and it. This, I hate it. She has finally succeeded in recording herself sleep, quote unquote. But she actually does it, presumably. It's an almost 10 hour video. And I get the feeling that JLB has watched the entirety of it. 
Oh yeah, right here you see at a uh, thirty-two minutes. There's a there's a little air that comes out. Yeah, I think you farted right there. Could you uh could you ship me them sheets? But it is it is like that. He's like you take a little while to fall asleep, but like yes, I think yeah. like right around here is like it's it's not good. And again, this just like tension is increasing on you on the first watch where it's like this is bad, Casey. This is bad. You you rock, but you need to you need to disengage. You need to wise up, like Amy Mann. This movie is just sort of like constantly just bapping you in the face because. While this very creepy, very tense thing is registering in our mind, uh, JLB jumps to the point in the video, which is Casey leaning into the bedside lamp and giving sort of a creepy smile, which is her doing that. Like, it's a performance. It's... It, it, it's. Or do, do, you, do you think it's kind of like the, um, the, the whole... Uh... Ouija board thing where you've worked yourself up into something so much that it's now buried in your subconscious. So you don't think you're moving the planchette, but you are. I mean, I don't think it matters either way, because either way, it's it's a way for Casey to perform and come out of herself and be noticed. Like I this this is odd because My instinct is that she slept for, like, she pretended to sleep for about six hours, then was like, looked at the clock and was like, okay, it's time to shock him. Because right before she does this, it's not like she wakes up, like, comes out of a, a sleep and looks at the clock and is like, okay, time to do creepy face. It, I don't like know. Her- her arms so slowly starts to move down the side of the bed. Yeah. And then she leans into the light very slowly. Like, I I think... I don't know. And that's what's fascinating, what I love about this movie, is I don't know how close Casey is playing it, because we're going to get to another scene here soon where it feels like Casey is in on it 100%. It, uh, we, we, we should note that since the introduction of JLB, this whole portion of the film is through his point of view. Yes. So he's, he's watching those, those uh, the ticket video and the, the gameplay and stuff. He's watching those. Um, yeah. yeah. JLB loves this video. He says it's her scariest yet. Just like Paranormal Activity, which we know, I don't think I mentioned it earlier, but this is a touchstone for Casey. Oh, you did, yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, this is like he's talking her talk in order to get her engaged. He's how you say, uh, what do you call it when you uh, take your dog to some place to get their hairs cut? And get him smelling. Grooming? Oh, uh, he's grooming. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a groomer. He's a straight up groomer. And this is what. But again, the again, I feel like there is an ambiguity where it's like, mm-hmm. again, this is an inappropriate relationship. But how much of it is like, I don't know. Either way, it's bad. Either way, it's yeah. bad. And the first time I watched it, I was so scared and uncomfortable for Casey, which is the horror of the movie. That's what the horror comes from is like, this is a true internet horror story where it's like, yeah, there are those hawks out there. And JLB asked her to keep making videos. 
now we get <laughs> one of the uh, the most amazing scenes in the film, yes, and I the- was. I was texting you while I was watching this. I was already raving about the movie um, and I was already uncomfortable. And now Casey uploads a video called losing control of myself. It is her singing and dancing and it is horrible cringe on the level of like, Oh no, she's doing this. It's not terrible. She's not a terrible singer. It's just not great. But the idea of like, I did something when I was young and now I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. Just that just teenage cringe like that and horribly relatable. The other thing is Casey seems to be having so much fun and seems to be so comfortable for most of it. It's like, yeah, I'm going to do what the other girls do on YouTube or TikTok or whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to sing and I'm going to dance and I can because the world's fair is letting me. Yeah. It, when then uh, she has then she has that that break of character where either she subconsciously realizes that she's happy and that's bad or she's like okay now i need to ham it up and i need to cuz see i i think that all of this is subconsciously coming out of her i don't think any of this is a choice okay uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, subconsciously, this is all a choice, but I don't think that she's personally deciding to do it. I think this, it's real to me, damn it. Yeah, I, no, I, I get you. I, I, I definitely get you, and I can see it, and that's 100% valid. I think I'm just more of like a mixture of like, because like uh, she eventually stops singing and dancing and starts just screaming. Presumably her daddy isn't home because no one comes to pound on it's five in the afternoon no screaming while singing so what i felt was like she was doing this because like oh yeah i'm gonna have fun and be loose and sort of like again it's it's i don't know teenage girls but i feel like some might be like yeah we're on tiktok or youtube and dance and let's be sexy casey's still in her very unrevealing clothes she's just having fun dancing but she realizes like oh no one's going to care about this if it's not about the world's fair so i need to have this little breakdown to justify me having this fun and being loose and also maybe i'll get some attention and she does get attention because the video has 54 views. Aye. Most of them are probably JLB. <laughs> and refresh. <laughs> and refresh. I wish there was an autoplay option just to play this one video of a teenage girl dancing. And this is significantly more than her other videos. Although, again, JLB has more reason to watch this video. Because while it's not sexual at all just a young girl having fun. If you want to make it sexual, it certainly can be. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, then we have uh, what made me laugh so fucking hard the first time I saw it. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Casey's next video is tour of my high school, which is some wonderful teenage edgelord shit. Uh, uh, Pseudo goth. She's walking through a graveyard and she's like, this is the desks. This is the principal as she pans to like to it, it's 
it's such wonderful high school like dark lord like this is this is the abyss sort of thing do you also think that that's a little bit of commentary uh what commentary on what on uh how america has more school shootings than the rest of the earth combined oh interesting i did not twig onto that at all it could be that schools are potential just graveyards of i think it was more like more edgelord humor yeah i think casey was just trying to be like really spoopy and just be like i go to school at the graveyard that's how dark i am (laughs) i can't do a good anacob impression so anacob is just uh harvey firestein for me you know, yeah, we're all. I want to go to the world's fair. Yeah, you know, I I could only imagine her Facebook page. Some people pull put you know for like education, school of hard knocks, <laughs> or the streets. She'll just put cemetery. <laughs> She'll put school of eating bone. No, that's not sexual. School of the devil, Satan's. Hey. And now we get something. It goes from. Sort of cringe funny, sort of like relatable funny, sort of like, oh, what a goof this kid is, to something devastating. A video that only has three views, and it's shot at night. We hear running water. Casey says, I swear someday soon I'm just going to disappear, and you won't have any idea what happened to me. This is heartbreaking on so many levels. There, there is a. There was another line from that, I, like that goddamn waterfall or something like that. I, I'm not sure. I didn't. I didn't clock that. But, um. But no. Yeah. No. That that line is heartbreaking. It is, and it's heartbreaking that this is her cry for help video, and it, it three views. It's not sexy to JLB, so he's not going to watch it. 54 times. Hey, can um, you maybe uh, put your feet in that waterfall? Uh, if you disappear, can I have your chairs? <laughs> just for sniffing purposes. <laughs> Nothing um, sexual. Just sniffing. Just sniffing to get clues. <laughs> um, but also, uh, aside from the obvious like teenage suicide, teenage depression aspect of this, and also just the sort of meta game thing where it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to disappear to the world's fair and you won't know what happens. Mm -hmm. This is also just the nature of internet friendships where it's like someday a person could just disappear for whatever reason you could have connected with them through message boards, games, groups, whatever. And then they're just gone and you don't know what happened and there's no way to find out. They, you don't know. Maybe they could have gotten banned from the site. Maybe they can't pay their internet bill. Maybe their partner killed them in a murder-suicide. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe you just drifted apart. It's The internet is such an amazing way to connect, but it's also so fleeting yeah. in the way that like, you just can't put their bones in your car trunk. Yeah. Then you yeah. always know where they are. Exactly. That was the lesson of Poltergeist. The ultimate message of Poltergeist is remember where the bones are. 
now things become more wrinkly and more uncomfortable because Casey's obviously twigged on to the fact that JLB is paying special attention to her because in another sleeping video, at some point, Casey crawls in front of the camera and says, I see you there. Even if you don't show your face, you can't stop me. Uh, so now she's performing specifically for JLB. And he certainly seems to take it as such. We see him watching the video. Then we see he lives with someone who is most likely his mother, as we mentioned. And then, I again, there is an ambiguity to this character. There is a complexity. There is, we are not... We are supposed to view him as a bad human, not just a bad character. He is sitting on the toilet watching Casey sing her song and dance video. That's not good. That's not what normal people do. JLBBM.org, I follow them. I, I Granted, there's he's not a real person, so this is just like poop fan fiction, where I think this fictional pedophile moves his bowels. So if you're interested in that, I have a Patreon. Lowest, lowest tier is $50. It's a steal. It's, oh my God, it's such a steal. And rewards don't start till the $150 level. So just a warning. Uh, he makes a new video saying he's been watching Casey's old videos for clues. So in his mind, he is justifying watching this young girl over and over again. Like, again, there is a little bit of ambiguity well, you know, in the, the mystery of the clues that he's looking for is how fast he can come. Yes. No. Yeah. That's uh, God's eternal question. Yeah. And he's going to figure it out. He says he can feel the forces of the fair closer with each new video she uploads. He also tells her to message him. And now we get uh, what I was alluding to earlier, uh, the video where it feels like Casey is sort of more knowing than we might think she does a hilariously inept tarot card reading, which I don't know a lot about tarot cards. I don't know how to do a reading. I don't think you just lay down all the cards you have. I, I don't think that's how it works. I, I think that's correct with that. But again, this is such a perfect detail where of course, Casey would have a passing interest in tarot cards. Like that's, it goes hand in hand with the horror thing, like the otherness thing. It's like, yeah, let's let's do this magic. And it's for whoever is watching, which again we know is most likely JLB. <clears throat> I'll leave that in for you, buddy. Hey. So the reading she gives is she says that whoever is watching is a lonely person and takes comfort in things they cannot have. Also, they're trying to deceive people and act like they know everything. So this really seems like Casey is like, this might not be real. And this JLB guy is some lonely old man, but he's trying to tell me everything about the world's fair shit. And it's, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's really yeah. depending on how you take it. That, that's one of the, the few scenes that besides her directly calling him out it's one of the scenes that i i kind of like the least okay uh, because it, it it feels out of place i i don't want to jump ahead too much but when her and jlb have the the conversation after the next video she acts very 
caught off guard with what he has to say. And I, I'm, I'm trying to beat around the bush so that. No, I get it. I get it. There is, it, if the movie has one weakness for me, I guess, upon this discussion, it is that it is hard to gauge how deep Casey is into things and how much she believes because we'll talk about it when we get there, but there are, that scene starts in a very confusing way mm-hmm. where it doesn't feel like the dialogue that comes after follows, but we will get there. And now in Casey's most disturbing video, she is walking around downtown at some sort of new year's Eve, new year's Eve event talking about how her father needs to go. And she plans on shooting him with the gun he has out in the shed. Now here's, I didn't, I, I, I forgot about this. The other thing, the other interpretation, and I'm not fully on board with this, I have with the tarot card reading, is that it is about her dad. That uh, I think that would make more sense for me. And like she feels like her dad is angry and alone because the mom left. Maybe she feels like he wishes he had a son or a better kid, takes comfort in things he doesn't have, or like a high-paying job, whatever. And they're trying to deceive people and act like they know everything, which is how a lot of kids think about their parents, I think. God, I wish I didn't have to drive my daughter to cemetery school every day. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter's in the cemetery. You mean the seminary? No. No. (laughs) Which again, yeah, no. So I think that casts another wrinkle on the tarot card scene. And again, we learn that he works two jobs. And I hate working one job. I don't know yeah. about you. Uh, it's the worst. Mm-hmm. And if I had to work too, I would be very angry. Uh, and I would, and a shittier person would resent their child as being the reason they need to work two jobs again. Or do you think he works two jobs because he can't stand to be home? <laughs> you think he hates his daughter that much? It's like, Oh man, I can't be around this nerd. I need to I need to go work at KFC for eight hours. On top of driving trucks, I gotta work here. <laughs> I'm a long haul trucker and a local KFC chef, and it is the most stressful schedule I have ever had. Because I get my KFC schedule one week in advance, that's it. And I'm supposed to be in Albuquerque with a truckload of bowling balls on Wednesday. But at 5 p.m., I got to be making biscuits. Oh, what a life. Oh, the best life. That's what God intended for us. Uh, she says she doesn't want to do it. She she doesn't want to kill her dad. But she doesn't think she can control herself. Maybe she should just kill herself instead. And this is so masterfully done. This feels so real. This feels so... Again, because no matter what, no matter what the actual driving force is behind Casey saying these things, these are things she feels. And granted, like we all think about killing someone. We think about, especially as an angsty edgelord teen, we're like, oh, maybe I should kill my dad. Um, The suicidal ideation, less funny, less, less... Like that's, that's a bad thing. Um, but what's also aside from just the sadness and the anger and frustration and loneliness that this all evokes, 
is we also have to remember how real this shit is. Like a girl died because of Slender Man. Like yeah. this is this is now we get the new wrinkle of horror where it's like first it was like, is this game gonna be real? Then it's like, oh no, it's not real, and here's a pedophile. And now we get, oh no, it's not real, here's a pedophile and also violence. I'm gonna yeah. Yeah, like active violence. Um, it's so well structured and so well executed. Like you could make a super hammy, stupid uh, episode of Law and Order about this shit. But this is like the best possible way, the most artistic possible, most artistic possible way to tell this story, where it is all about the emotion behind why people do things going on to everything that that you just said the idea that we have in the back of our head from seeing that gun so early and this conversation is that we've known throughout this whole time that violence is most likely going to be an option that someone takes and just having that in the back of your head and then this scene that happens it really kind of makes you and you know seeing her walk through this crowd of people at this new year's eve thing is like is she gonna open fire here? Do, like, does she have the gun on her? Casey never feels like, even when she's talking about possibly killing her father, she never feels like, oh my god, she's gonna be like Michael Myers. She's gonna be like this horror villain. It's, you just feel this sadness for her. I think more than anything, like fear that it will happen, but never being like angry or villainizing her. It's just like this poor, stupid, lonely kid. Yeah, pretty much. No, I, like, I, it also shows a lot of restraint in the storytelling that they didn't, oh, yeah. that, that they didn't take the easy way out and just have her shoot her dad or herself or a crowd of people or um, anything. And- yeah, no, it's not the, thank you for bringing that up because that really is a good point. Like most movies, and especially if this were a more mainstream movie, would definitely do that. Yeah, one one hundred percent. And it would be, it would be not only grotesquely done but very tasteless, and just overall less potent thematically mm-hmm. and less less emotional. Well, like what we're going to get is. It's not especially exciting. It's it, the climax of the film is not especially thrilling, but it is amazing. Mm-hmm. Casey colors herself in some sort of glow-in-the-dark cream, a little bit in her hair, a little bit around her collar, in sort of a design. We see her preparing in the bathroom, and then next we see her rising in the dark in front of the camera. She puts Poe in front of the camera. Poe says, I love you. Casey admits that she's still scared of the dark. And Paul helps Poe helps her. I thought I wrote Paul in my notes. I thought the name was Paul. And then I was like, everything I was reading after that was like, Poe, 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 Poe. Oh, no. Uh, So sorry about that. Um, And she's had him. I love this detail. I don't know why. She's had him since she was five days old, specifically five days. That's like, not since I was born, that specificity adds 
a weird amount of emotional weight for me. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think, do you think that before we talk about what she does to Poe, I almost called him Paul too. <laughs> uh, do you think that that, that stuffed animal kind of represents her in, in if we're going with the, the trans allegory represents, um, God damn, that- so many children being abducted in one day. What is it like a oh, I don't know, a holiday a for yeah, kidnappers? You know, at least uh, at least you and I have an alibi right now. Oh yeah, no. That's why I do this podcast. <laughs> Meanwhile, my secret twin, Christian Bale, is off committing murders. Um, so do you think that Poe in the trans allegory aspect? represents uh gender identity or like uh something you were given at birth something that they decided i can see that i can see that either it's definitely the destruction of the destruction of a totem of the old order Mm -hmm. like this is my old self and i'm going to destroy it this is what i was given at birth whether it is her even just the idea of childhood or naivete, it could be uh, gender identity, whatever. She is destroying an important building block of herself. And she uh, she rips them apart, stomps on the remains. Then she seems to snap out of it and is horrified by what she's done. And by your interpretation, that is not acting that is her literally snapping back and realizing oh my god Poe's dead that that's what I believe okay that makes it so much more heartbreaking like the idea that she really doesn't know what she's doing she just went into a not not a fit of rage but just the 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 post not clarity that she has after she (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thank you for choosing the grossest way to phrase that um, um that, that clarity that she has after it i i think that that's true emotion okay i i, I can see it like again i don't i think that is equally as possible from the director's point of view but what also strikes me is like this is the worst thing she can think of like it, it's not she talks about killing her dad. She talks about killing herself. For whatever reason, she does not do either of those things. So what is the net third worst thing to kill Poe? Like, this is such a potent act for her. Um, oh, and then, you know, after after she does that, she holds up Poe's marble eye to hers as she looks into the camera. And that while that is not only one of the creepiest things that they could have picked for the poster, which I, I said earlier is what really got me interested in this movie, um, that exact image. Uh, but it, it also kind of represents that she spent her whole life looking, quote, through the eyes of Poe, lo- looking through the eyes of how she was told to be, how she was forced to live, what what was given to her at birth yes no i i think yeah i can see it like i think i think you're right yeah we get another video of the 
here we finally see the World's Fair video, which is a lot of colors, strobing lights. And over it, Casey says she knows how it ends. She's going inside the video, inside the screen, which is chilling. Like, it's chilling. That's like... Because, again, there's a lot of ways to interpret or follow the movie. Either way, this child is talking about finality in a way that's uncomfortable. So after this, she's on a call with JLB. And she she's talking. Here's where I said it was confusing. Because she says, uh, have you ever heard of the strange loop theory? A theory involving the World's Fair Challenge. And she goes, it's fake. But then so is all of this. Which leads me to believe that she has realized it's all fake. But then... And we get, Wait, she says that? I, I could have swore it was J-O-B that said that. It's going to be a mixture. Like, okay. he's going to, like, confirm <laughs> it later. He he talks, he brings up the strange loop theory again. But then Casey says it's fake. But then she says she feels it. She always felt it. The world is a dream, and I need to wake up. Again, the idea that this reality does not suit the reality that you feel uh, becoming something else uh, becoming what you are and JLB just keeps talking about World's Fair lore and Casey asked how long he thinks she has which again goes back to this idea what's that The, the, the line she uses until she quote does it uh, presumably be it being going into the screen or becoming some sort of monster or whatever. But if she thought things were fake, now she has a very real and heavy sort of finality about this is going to destroy her in some way, which doesn't jive with how the scene started. Jail, after she asked this, how long until I do it? JLB asks if they can go outside of the game real quick. Casey is confused about it being a game and this idea of talking outside it. JLB explicitly tells her that this is a game, that they're playing characters. He calls it an MMORPG, which it is yeah. not. No. It is not. That's not what this is. <laughs> it's an ARG. It's a very confusing term for people to actually know what things are uh, in that regard. I, I- the only reason I could think of Jane specifically writing that out is I think that that MMORPG is kind of more widely known to broader audiences than ARGs. It is. That is probably certainly why they did it. Just because the idea of like, although I feel like the, the name kind of sums up the concept of an ARG. It's an alternate reality game. I don't know. I understand why they did it. It's just jarring uh if you know what it means and holy fuck if you didn't think anna cobb was doing an amazing job before this she is a powerhouse during this final scene because jlb is telling her like no this is a game it's not real We're, we're telling stories we're doing this we're doing that and 
Casey is as many people, no matter what their age would do is like, Oh yeah, I knew that you, you, you didn't fool me. I, I, I knew it all along, but she is just killing it. Like playing this idea of like, Oh, I 100% did not know that. I was unsure about that before. But also I need to seem like I knew about it the entire time. It shows the, um, I I think she's kind of been forced to grow up earlier than I, she, she did. She doesn't really have the opportunity. She has no friends. um, So she doesn't really have like the opportunity to have that experience of, of growing up and being happy. Uh, So I just think that it shows that she's really caught off guard by the fact that she's blindsided by this. And and rather than admitting, you know, I'm only 15. I, I thought this was real. Um, She just has to play it off. Like, Oh yeah, I knew it the whole time. I I don't know. I don't know. No, that's an excellent Anna Cobb. She's like, she's, she's the deleted character from the lighthouse. Um, Ah, no, me seagull. But no, she's just doing so good at this. Like, it just feels so real and so potent and sort of like the movie doesn't look bad, but it looks lo-fi like, and that sort of adds to the sort of realism and sort of closeness that you feel for these people where it's like, if it were super sharp HD, if we could really feel the depth of her room, it would be so much less effective. But JLB says he's been worried about Casey and her videos have been intense. And he's been worried about her. Like he thought about, uh, she says, because now there's this other layer where it's like, oh my God, I could get in trouble for this. I could, my dad could find out about this. Cause she's like, you thought I was actually going to kill myself or, or someone else. Like she's angry at herself. She's angry at JLB. She's confused and frustrated and scared. And it's amazing. You know, I, I also think that, that JLB kind of has that level of onus to it where he, because I, I do believe that he created this game. I believe that he's a very lonely, sad man. And this was his way to, to meet people and kind of in a way control them a little bit. So, uh, you know, earlier there's the conversation where, um, very earlier in the movie where he, is like really digging to make sure that she's not making up these videos. And I feel like he's trying to find a way to justify his actions and he's let her go so far that now he's like, Oh my God, she's going to kill someone or herself. Her laptop is going to be searched by the police. They're going to see these videos. They're going to see my channel and then they're going to easily be able to find me and I'm going to be on the chopping block for it. That's a good wrinkle that I did not think of, but I think that regardless of whether he created the game or not, that would still be incriminating, like even just as a facilitator, like, but that is something I didn't think of and adds another level to JLB's character. You know, it, it just makes me mad that so many people are going to watch this movie and just hate it for what it is. Yeah, no, it's, it's upsetting because it's, I think it has like a 5.5 on IMDb or something. It, it, it's not as high as I would like it to be. 
and Letterboxd, even, it's a 3.2. No, people are going to watch it, and it's not going to be what they're used to. And Now, where's the Jasons? <laughs> How do I know if a movie's scary if it's not called Tremors? <laughs> I shouldn't slight Tremors. Tremors is fantastic. Then JLB says he thought about calling the police, which really scares Casey. And it's just anger and fear and, like, my dad's going to find out or people at school are going to find out and school are going to suck more or I'm going to look like an idiot or whatever. And she says they're just videos, they're pretend. And JLB calls her Casey and she says, that's not even my name. Do you think her name's Casey? Yeah. I do, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, no, she... Casey, wonderful child, wonderful or, character. What if Casey was her mother's name? Mmm. Mmm, possible. That's a good headcanon. No evidence in the film to support that, but uh, that'd be nice. Yeah, nice little sweeter, sweet A moment. little bit sweeter, yeah. <laughs> a little bit sweeter that... Uh, for her going crazy persona, she chose the name of her dead or absentee mother. Yes. That's the dream. That's what I hope for all my children. The television show, not my actual children. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Casey ends the call, and she sends two last messages to JLB. One says, don't ever call me again. And then another, after a little bit, calling him a pedophile. We were uh, all thinking it. Yeah, no, we all were. That's why we were worried about Casey. And it turns out that Casey knows that this is a possibility and is now all... That's another layer of horror to Casey's reaction where it's like, oh no, this is the pedophiles they talk about on the television. So we see JLB, and he's very upset. And Michael Rogers just doing a lot with doing very little. Mm-hmm. He, we follow him through his house as he goes to the living room where he stares at a turned off TV. He practices some muttered apologies uh, before going back to his room with great intent. Like he goes, no. And he storms back. He doesn't storm. He walks with great purpose back to his room and he sends a message saying, please don't do it. Just keep making videos he puts his hand on the monitor and hangs his head. How how do you feel about JLB at this point? Weirder knowing that he stayed like that for the entire night. Yeah. Well, that's what he's going to tell us. Yeah. Um also but, so there uh there is a deleted scene for this moment where I think it's before he puts his hand on the screen or it's right at, or it's the next shot after that. Um, he refreshes her, her uh, YouTube channel and the page is deleted. Interesting. Yeah. Which I, I, I don't know why they would cut, cut a scene like that out or a, a shot like that out because that really would justify him putting the hand on the screen. His, his for his, you know, his forlorn love um, has, because I, although he he would have downloaded those videos. You know he would have downloaded those videos. At the very least, they were definitely in his offline cache on his phone. 
like um or uh, or is a uh, spank bank possibly no almost definitely we know he watched that dancing video a lot there's something odd there's something there's something more unsettling about a pedophile who's like his type is frumpy teens and not like not like oh yeah super hot sexy barely legal, not quite legal babes and it's just like I want a girl that looks like Ali Sheedy in the Breakfast Club. Would well, it be easier? Yeah, I guess that's a sad and very true aspect. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this got really dark. I mean, it's already been very dark. Yeah, it- I don't like him. He's clearly whatever, whatever his actual intentions are. It's inappropriate and not good for anybody involved. But, like, he's so sad. He's so sad and so lonely and so just, like, seeking anything else. Like, I do... I I want to feel bad for him. Oh, I completely understand not feeling bad for him. He could also just, like, go to a bar, become a local at a bar and meet people. Like, there's so many different ways that he could get that connection he so desperately unless is the connection that he's only seeking is 15 year old girls exactly which is where the ambiguity comes in and like not i'd say there's more evidence saying that that is true mm. rather than the contrary but it's also just like again he is in a clear state of arrested development and it's like well who else can i emotionally connect with other than a 15-year-old girl, it's deeply sad. It's well, deeply we all, sad. We all have a 15-year-old girl inside of us. Oh, I do. Yeah, no, I ate her last week. <laughs> um, I have been bound up. I, I unhinged my jaw, as I'm known to do. Swagger hole. It was a war production. Made a lot of skrill. We see a still image of Casey with the multicolored strobing World's Fair Challenge lights on her face. And we get the reprise of, I swear someday soon I'm going to disappear and you won't have any idea what happened to me. Now we get, probably lasts about five minutes. I'd say I didn't time it in any way. Maybe a little bit less. I think it's exactly as long as the opening oneer. Really? Yeah, because I I like the idea. I like how they start with the long webcam shot of Casey. And then it ends with the long webcam shot of JBL. JLB. Yeah. But we see JLB once more. And he says that a year later, Casey sent him a message on Skype apologizing. She went to an assisted care facility. Uh, she told him her real name because, again, she said Casey wasn't her name that she was starting a theater program in the city next year. They met for coffee in Manhattan. The small talk was awkward, but it felt like they both had so much to say. They took a walk and eventually JLB was about to ask a question, but she cut him off and apologized for what she said that night. He knew she didn't mean it. Then he does an impersonation of Casey's voice where he goes, that night I made it there into the heart of the fair. 
but something brought me back. And again, let me underscore, this is all a JLB monologue. We, we are not seeing any of this. He is just very, this, uh, I love this performance. It's, it's very natural. He's just spouting all this off. Like it's not insane fan fiction <laughs> he has with an underage girl, but he tells her about how he stayed up all night with his hands on the screen and prayed for her. And she knew it. They eat uh, some pizza and dollar slices, dollar slices. Wonderful. He has this dreamy looking, like this is a fantasy he's had about going into Manhattan. Like this is the perfect day. We get dollar slices. We get coffee, all this after pizza, they hug and JLB says he couldn't believe he was there, that he was touching her. Because he wasn't. Well, yeah, no, almost definitely. And then they both went home. And we linger on JLB's face. He's sad, lonely, quiet. He's lost in th- he's lost in this reverie of something that I think we both agree never happened. And I hope never well, happened. Well, it would so be the- bad if it happened. Yeah, that, that was one thing I wanted to ask you about. So the, I feel like there, there's three things that could be going on here. One, the least likely option that this did happen. Two, he killed her. I never got that sense. Okay, I, I, I kind of felt like she became unattainable to him and he has he he created such a relationship that wasn't ever really there that he just fucking murked her. Or the third option is that this is World's Fair lore fan fiction. See, I, I, I like I said, it's like a fan fiction with this teenage girl that I knew for 30 seconds over the internet playing this ARG. But the idea that he's trying to... He is turning... Because this does... He's talking to the camera like he's recording a video, like he's talking to somebody. Maybe... You're right, and he is like, this is how I tie it into the World's Fair. Y'all remember Casey and her videos, and like, holy fuck, that's insane. If that's the case, if that's, that's extra disturbing. Where it's like, yeah, no, here's the romantic fanfic with this teen girl that's totally canon to World's Fair. But and yeah. you too will get your very own 15-year-old girl when you do the World's Fair Challenge. Oh, man. I What a nightmare. Just yeah. being handed a 15-year-old girl and being like, presumably there's paperwork. You got to take care of her. You got to... Oh, man. I... If you don't have all your forms filled out, you'll have to come back the next day. I, I love this movie. Thank you so much for putting it on my radar. This is... I, I I talk about I I've talked about this before. It's dumb grammar stuff, but I always have to stop myself from describing a movie as like, oh, it's so unique. It's very unique. It's very unique is just its own word. This is a yeah. unique movie. It's the way it plays with horror and expectations and modern anxieties. I think it does better than most films. Not even films that are trying to do the internet horror thing, but just like 
most horror films are the same old fears. This is really tapping into a modern fear. Yeah, and, and that, that whole level of you don't know which direction this film is going in just adds uh, so much more a ambiguity to, to all of it. But I'm really glad that you enjoyed this movie. When I watched it at the festival, you were the first person I thought of. I was like, uh, I really gonna like this. That's so sweet. And I did. Um, but yeah, I thank you so much for being on. I definitely want to get you on again. I definitely want, I would love for us to do the mother episode. We're going to talk about it eventually. Might as well be with the first mother himself, <laughs> Brendan Jesus. I know it's one of his favorites. Oh, it um, is. It's so dang. Oh my God. We had a fucking experience in that theater. We did. Um, I think, I think after the movie, we just kind of sat there and cried for a little bit. You maybe were that crying. Was you were crying. I was just like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Um, but no, I, we, Oh, I don't think I've ever like, I, I love having movie buddies. This will get cut out. I, I have movie buddies. I, I'll go see a movie by myself, but I love having someone there with there with me. And yeah the vibe we had watching mother where we were just so tuned into it from the mm -hmm. jump. Uh, that was fucking primo energy. Loved it. Never going to forget that movie going experience. Oh, yeah, um, no, me either. Brendan, thank you so much. We will have you back on. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say about we're all going to the world's fair or anything else in general? Just if you haven't, seen this movie and you've listened to all of this why um but <laughs> go, this is a movie that that needs to be watched this will this is going to be a movie that in five to ten years film schools will be will be devoting or uh, film classes will be devoting entire week-long discussions to it because there's so much with and i don't mean this in a bad way there's so much with the little that we're given mm-hmm um, and uh, if anybody wants to uh, follow me on my journey of trying to get blocked by Dr. Oz on Twitter, <laughs> um, you can follow me at spooky underscore underscore guy on Twitter. Um, I regularly call him a squelching blob of cum. Wonderful. So, um, yeah, he hasn't blocked me yet, but every day is a new day. And again, you write for horrorobsessive.com. Check out yes. Brendan's work there. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, I don't know what's going on next week. Like I said, we have a roadmap for Billy's return, uh, but we'll figure out what's going on and have a good night.